0: Welcome to Truck You Podcast, my name is Sebastian. This podcast is all about trucking. We love diesel engines, semi-trucks, being on the road, and freedom. So let's go.
1: Hey, okay, let How are you doing, Ray? Good. Good. Morning. Good morning.
0: Welcome to the podcast. Uh, the first time um, we're doing this together, you want to explain? You just join us as the head of operations at era yeah so i wanted to have you on and talk about some stuff and i think uh we have a good topic today which is intermodal intermodal, and the beauty the the negatives and the positives of intermodal work huh yeah so we did some research today and before obviously we've been uh in the industry for some time do you want to give me a little bit of a background of uh, what your experience
1: is in the intermodal industry what have you been up to um sure i mean i've been in it for 25 years so my main thing was 53 foot domestic and intermodal so um do we want to talk a little bit about what that is or yeah we
0: could talk about uh domestic and modal. i just wanted to
1: well i mean i think some of the the viewers that we have or you have is uh, you know accustomed to over the road or mm-hmm. trailer work um, so just explaining that, like I have the definition, which is, you know, transport of freight by two or more modes of transportation. Oh, transportation yeah, right. You know, so. Yeah.
0: So you you've had you've had a, a pretty you had a pretty long run in the model, right? You've been, um, you know, the industry in and out. And the reason I wanted to bring it up and talk about it is because I think I don't think there's enough of. Talk about intermodal. I think since we're in Chicago, it's a good topic since we're the hub. The hub. yeah. Uh, and how many how
1: many rails that we discover were here? Over
0: twenty, s- around twenty six. Right, just crazy. Which the next second one is I think, in twelfth, and I think Atlanta is nine. Which I always thought Atlanta had uh, a lot more, but we are definitely the hub. Right. So that's something that we I've never discussed here, and I would like to have more. T- more content around intermodal and more maybe since it's a, it's something that we specialize in as as our company and um you came here as an as ha- a head of ops and i'm thinking well um let's just have let's talk about more what we do and maybe what we know about intermodal and what's interesting about it. The, the number one thing i think is for us to for drivers that don't do it then that, that never had experience with it and mm-hmm. then some of the guys that are in it that we have a lot guys doing containers for us um, maybe how they see it and why they choose to do it Right, that would be something uh, that we can discuss but let's talk about really quick first on um, a little bit of history because we did some uh, reading up and education uh, about what happened because it's super interesting to me what did you find out about
1: uh, how InModal started? Um. Well, McLean was always my thing. He was the guy who started the stack, the stack train, which mm-hmm. I think is, is huge because he started it with the steamship lines, um, you know, able to stack the containers. Um, we had talked a little bit about how he had first put trailers on the ships, and they just didn't think it was, you know, it didn't make sense because they could fit so much more cargo, yeah. other other means. Yeah. Um, so then he bought his own ships. Old uh, U.S. Navy ships, right? Right, Yeah. Yeah old navy ships and then uh, started the stack containers and i think at that time it, you you know they weren't even mounted they were strapped down uh, you yeah. know at, at some point so which
0: i read he f- flew in because the first shipment was i think from newark to houston and he flew into houston to make sure that they're docked, they're being docked properly right so i i would just I would want to see footage from that. Yeah. You know, it, maybe there is some footage because it was '80s, so there's got to be some kind of a footage of that. Of that, right? Yeah,
1: 1984 is when it started.
0: And well, so so, but before that, there's a lot more history, and I don't. We can talk about that maybe at at some other time. But uh, Keith Tatlinger, which I'm probably butchering his last name, he was the one that came up with some of the patents, mainly with the twist lock. And the, w- the the beam the w- the structure of the container that to were down the yeah later implemented and he was with um do you remember the company that he was with was it um sea um, lines i think it was called was it sea land sea land yeah that, that's what it was so th- he was the he was he was the guy that came up with with some of the patents with that contributed significantly t- to that right. because then he 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 later on went to work for the company that was actually building The chassis and the containers um and later on uh, mclean was the one that kind of took it and and made that made it you know a major shift in in the economy right in the us
1: yeah i mean he it was southern pacific which is union pacific today which will you know they're claiming that they they did i mean it was him behind it but you know they're the ones who kind of made it happen that stack train um and that's when it really came out in 1984 and even then people weren't using it you know yeah.
0: it did up and do you remember since you're so long in the in the industry do you remember when when you started seeing more and more containers because i i can since i've been in trucking since you know the early 2000s and then i like, started driving in 2008 like what when, when when you were like wait they're everywhere yeah so do you remember I, that moment
1: you know i don't I don't think we even talked about it. My, my, my father drove for 35 years in the industry and uh, he didn't do a lot of intermodal but we would pass by you know the, the core with yard which everybody calls santa fe kedzie right mm-hmm. and uh he would tell me about a time that um you know he was actually backing trailers onto flat cars at the time on you know mm-hmm. and and that was something and then when you know, everything started to change. You could start to see containers being stacked, which is, I would say, late 80s. Mm -hmm. We start seeing that, Um, you know, he was explaining that now it's changed, you know. yeah. Uh, And he drove through the 70s, 80s and into the 90s, right? So, um, but yeah, I would say that's when he started to see it, and it was mostly international, Mm -hmm. you know? I didn't know, and, and even when I got into the business, we were still working with 48 foot, vans yeah. and and uh, containers. Yeah. You know, that's something you don't see anymore. Everything's 53.
0: 53, 40s and 20s. Just we haven't talked about the sizes but right. but we'll we'll probably get to that a little bit. So so when he was doing it when it was starting you said it would they were 48. 48.
1: 48. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I finally got into it. Yeah. Um,
0: there are different different sizes and the the the, the domestic is what's concerned uh, a concern of 53 footer right right, and then then in 20s and 40s the twenties and forties are international shipments, but the there there were there was a period that they they I, I guess they couldn't decide on the on on some of the sizes, but f- early on from the beginning, what I read about was that the key to intermodal was the standardization that you could standardize ports and ships to where guys loading it up in Hong Kong know that it's going to be uh, offloaded in New York and there's not going to be issues with moving it which was the biggest the biggest how it brought down the global economy into you know hey now we have a tool that we can ship very cheaply uh, efficiently and we're not going to have to worry about transloading although domestic uh, it's called domestic but a lot of that freight is is import freight right Right. which is getting transloaded.
1: Yeah it's it's transloaded from coming off the ship it's going to docks and you know, being moved around from there, yeah. put onto the f- that, those fifty-three foot domestic containers So yeah, and it, and it's funny that you said that because I didn't, for a long time, never understood why people were saying, oh well, you know, there's there's issues with the ports, there's issues with the ships, and what does that have to do with us? we domestic, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, it's a huge part of that, and some of it even comes inland. Um, doesn't even happen out you know it comes inland and and it's getting transported and taken off so
0: yeah and then so what that that's that speaks to what it's happening what's happening right on the west coast right we're you know july 2022 uh and you heard about the uh, rails having issues the bottlenecks yep. the wait times yep. all that is affecting pretty much everything because all all that all that products coming from you know uh it's getting imported and then now we have a bottleneck in in case of california this this instance, but then you have East Coast now being backed up because everybody i mean not everybody, but the majority of are getting ships are going to be routed, right. and now n- now the East Coast is also delayed so it is it is interesting how I also thought it was like well domestic but do, is there still domestic movement of freight in um on domestic containers?
1: sure right yeah i mean i i would always see stuff coming in from california texas you know it's coming into chicago um that was were, were were big areas um, so yeah d- domestic is ha- is still happening
0: yeah and i what i always tell uh, when i somebody's asking me what what domestic is and i'm like well if somebody that's not in trucking like if you have uh, old meal or you know moving from let's say a quaker oats they're loaded up and then goes to california it doesn't end up on the, you know it just ends up on the rail and then y- y- they just ship it right right so it goes mm-hmm. to different part of the countries on the rail but th- that's a that's a um, car shipping product within the us on train that's what the domestic 53 is but then obviously everything else that's coming as as imports is translated onto that because uh, which is the next thing i was going to talk about who who is one of the, who's who are one of the biggest companies moving in a motor freight in the u s you think i mean i know you know but
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean we talked about i mean if you're talking about domestic we we were talking about j b hunt for sure mm-hmm. j b hunt Yeah, nineteen eighty nine was the when they got into the game which which i'm surprised i just i kind of assumed they were always around you know they've been yeah. around for for years, and that's not that long ago yeah well, it is now but
0: Well, (laughs) it's 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 not that uh, but it is it's quite quite a while ago. But now you think how they the market cap, right? Like they're massive. Mm -hmm. It's like four billion of intermodal goods. Uh, It's the second one is who's who do you think is the second one?
1: It's well, we talked about hub, right? Yeah. Being being up there. So
0: so hub. Uh, the second, Schneider, third, XBO fourth, and that's 2020 data. And then Evans fifth and Swift sixth.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I don't like Evans in that category. <laughs> you, why
0: do you think, w- w- well, uh, you do like Evans as a company though, right? So No, no I like Evans <laughs> as a company, <laughs> yeah. right? I just,
1: I just think that if you look at, all of those are like asset-based companies, they have, you know, and J.B. Hunt did a great job of, of purchasing so many containers just getting into that market and then um doing a great job of getting their own chassis and chassis fleet because that was the biggest thing you can have as many containers as you want you're not getting anything off the train if you don't have a chassis to put it on yeah so they understood that got into that market and that's where i think why they're where they're at Mm -hmm. Um, hub didn't do that for a long time you know they were using rail owned equipment for Mm -hmm. a long time and then got away from it and 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 most recently Maybe a year or two ago, they just got rid of s- the last part of that yeah. piece where they're o- they're using their own their own stuff. I'll jump to Evans again, so Evans is doing it uh, totally different from any of them, and mm-hmm. they're and they're not um, you know big uh, asset based. They don't have their own equipment, and they're using the agent model, mm-hmm. right? So if they're taking all the little guys and putting them under their flagship. Yeah. but it works. It, it right? works right. Yeah. yeah it,
0: it, yeah but that's a good point point. and then swift remember swift i used to when i started seeing intermodal movements in chicago and in the trucking because which that got me into that's why i wanted to do as as a company uh, i saw the opportunity and you know i've done some other things before in trucking and i'm just thinking well there's something to it like i see jb blowing up i want to be part of that and then I saw Swift at the same time because there was you. I I, I know you. <laughs> I think you know what what I'm. You know what I'm getting at is Swift was, it would, there was there was a significant amount of time where they were going head to head with with trying to capture that market, mm-hmm. and then something happened and Swift just fell off the. Uh, right. Well, there's still a significant player in the game, but right would you agree that or was it just is it is it my subjective well yeah i mean i think wrong opinion
1: i wonder when swift started but yeah i would think at some point they were head to head but i it looks to me when you look at the numbers that jb hunt was thinking way ahead of that yeah you know and and just focusing on that um
0: why do you think jb hunt spotted that um why do you think they 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 just went after it
1: you know one one of the things that always stood out to me is that Santa Fe, the BNSF, is always um, kind of catered to letting people um, have their own assets. So I don't know if mm-hmm. you know, a long time ago, they used to have a BNAU, mm-hmm. BNAU boxes, right, uh, which were mainly 48. And then uh, when they got into the 53s, they started to allow people to almost re-stencil. i seen USA Truck do it. You know, we see it with um, the company called uh, cofc mm-hmm. you know containers is re restenciling these boxes and they have this this uh program that they have where they allow people to come in and use equipment mm-hmm. restencil it to be their own and they have this whole program that they put together the other rails weren't doing that mm-hmm. you know so i think that uh jb hunt found that niche with them and said hey we can really scale this by using the bnsf and yep. then it, you know um, and that's how it it, it came about because they've always been intertwined with them. Um, mm-hmm. But that's why that's where, that's where that came from. They got,
0: they, they were, they were able to capture that capacity,
1: right? Yeah. And then, and, it, it, and keep in mind, they were leasing at one point mm-hmm. this equipment, you know, so they were leasing these old BNAU boxes that, yeah. you know, um, became a s- standard. So, and then they just started getting into their own assets.
0: And I, um, w- I wonder how much of that was uh, recognizing driver shortage and and recognizing the shift and how people will pers- how hard it is to get somebody in the truck for uh, otr, OTR mm-hmm. and have somebody live in the truck right and like well th- there's an opportunity because now you have the dray moves which are p- close proximity you're not going far you can be home daily which is some we're going to talk about that in the positives and negatives in a bit but that's recognizing the driver shortage i think had to had to do something with it as well right where you know, obviously the time-sensitive c- freight is still—that's—I mean, it's, it's a massive. Uh, not, you know, but compared to intermodal, it's so much. I feel like attractive to a driver. It's like, hey, I—I I still want to drive, but I can now sleep at home, even though you know, um, you might—it still be a long. It's going to be a long day, but I feel like they recognize that that driver shortage and maybe going into that niche. Because of, the, because of that because of that right? because now it's bigger than their driver th- division right yeah right? <laughs> which yeah. is which yeah. is crazy you always thought of jb hunt as you know driving co- trucking company right yeah absolutely um so
1: that's on a whole nother podcast by the way we yeah. can talk about you know like uh, imc's intermodal marketing companies and and yeah. uh, brokers uh like a jb hunt and the understanding that they're not the same you know they're they're difference and with having their own assets or their own trucks or no trucks and yeah. equipment we can put on another podcast uh, exactly.
0: no there's there's a lot to it but let's talk about some of the positives and negatives of uh, in a model because I would like it from a perspective of an owner op driver uh, kind of like what what are some positives uh, in your opinion
1: um, my my main thing was always consistent rates that was always kind of my sell you mm-hmm. know to, to drivers who were thinking about coming off of the road or I was trying to recruit off of the road, Mm -hmm. uh, was consistent rates. You know, I I can sit here and I can stabilize your rates and say, if you go here, it's going to be this. If you go here, it's going to be this every time. And we can put together those pieces so that you can make X, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is, you know, and X may be less or more based on what you want to happen. So you want to be home every night or do you want to stay out for a little bit and not as much as a two week, you know, on the road. yeah so that's the consistent rates i've seen so many guys leave or bounce back and forth Mm -hmm. because they can't you know grasp that like hey there's some consistency here Mm -hmm. i want to just grab the greatest thing you know oh four dollars a mile yeah i'll try and get back home
0: yeah which that's that's a that's a that's it's you see those shifts every time market shift right especially spot market fit which we're talking about here you know owners and companies utilizing strong market conditions which we had into 2021 and mm. now everybody's like well let's jump into in a model because it's it's stable somewhat right. right but but the rates were pretty much the same, pretty much the same across years although we could get into a completely different topic of contract rates and how the market works but mm-hmm. mainly that rate states Th- there's no such extreme volatility as you see on spot market right because right. what, what you saw the four or five bucks a mile was extreme volatility like the hot market just went up so right. quickly and they had to pay it to get it out well um contracted model is just a you know it's consistent service and it's not like well of course the rates are going to go up because with everything else Falling on on the inflation, co- uh, you know, fuel costs, all that stuff. You're going to see the the changes in contracted rates. But, again, you're right. It's the consistent rate. To me, the 300-mile radius, the 250, 300-mile radius is uh, is important yeah. because that's where I see the biggest um, in recruiting and talking to drivers. Obviously, I was like, well, wow, I'm just coming off uh, the road. I want to be home. Right. Uh, so, so that short-haul um, positive is – is is a is a key factor in this, just because you you know now you can sleep at home, right, and
1: and still make decent money,
0: decent money, and yeah. a lot of drivers, yeah, they 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 value that they even though the lo- the days are long, could be long, not mm-hmm. they the, they always are, but then now, uh, at least they sleep at home, they see their their families, right. Yeah. Um, is there any other positive that we're miss miss? I mean, you know, other than. Because there are some negatives that are <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, to, we're going to talk about that, uh, especially equipment. But any positive, I would say, uh, any other positive? Uh, well, if we're missing something, just well, drop some comments. You but
1: know, you know I, what I always heard from uh, over-the-road drivers, too, is that, like, health, right? So a lot of times mm-hmm. I'm hearing drivers are, that's, yeah, that's you know, one. driving across the road and they're having back issues. Uh, they're having health issues because they're not eating right. You know, and I think that's that's always been a big thing too. i have had guys, you know, say, hey, my knees aren't what they used to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that was some reasons that they wanted to stay close because now they're they're not constantly on the road driving They're They can do that 300 mile radius and be back home. Yeah. And then rest, you know,
0: which which comes out to not only the health, but also food. Right? right. You can grab a food from home, which OTR you kind of left to whatever's st- out there if you're not cooking. And that, that is, that was something important to me because when I was driving, doing in a model, it was, I still woke up er, before I went and I try to get a workout in, which y- you could, obviously you can do it in an OTR, but just that routine, like right. being able to hit a gym when you come back or when you go, before you go, decent amount of our drivers do that. And like, well, I'm coming right off, off the gym. I'm going right after I'm going to the gym, right? Because then I can uh, take care of, Yourself and then food, obviously, bringing home, not spending money, additional money, junk food that you don't have access to good food on the road, which is right. mind-boggling to me still. That there's such, you know, all the chains. Yeah,
1: I've always wanted to do something. I, I know. Always wanted to too, do yeah. something. I even came up with a name called Truckers Revenge. Yeah, right? that's a good that's one. A, yeah, you know, you can have some kind of healthy, quick snack or something like that and don't worry i already i already got the you already joke. got the, already domain, got the domain, <laughs> domain name. i was gonna go <laughs>
0: buy it no but it, it is a, well now it's a little easier because what i what i used to do is i would do i would or pre-order local stuff that i like that i took if i didn't have time to cook you know what i mean yeah. and, and that's at least you know the source you know that you like it at the same time, with with Uber Eats and other uh, apps right now, you can have things delivered, which is making it a little easier. Right? Yeah. But just just in general, I think truck stops should have healthy healthy options. And no, I'm not talking about Subway. <laughs> but let's talk about negatives real quick. Uh, negatives. W- um, wh- what what's the main one you
1: think? Um, chassis uh, maintenance. Maintenance of chassis is probably the you know, um, that's the one big thing when when. I see drivers get into this and they come off the road with either their own trailer that they've been maintaining or a company who's been, you know, taking real good care of their trailers. Mm -hmm. And then they come in and they're, you know, not with the same equipment now that that chassis that's underneath that box is, has been, you know, could have been moved five times that day that they're going to take it. You know, it's been cross town, lifted off and, you know, moved to a different rail where they needed it and then put onto another box it, you know there's multiple times it can move so imagine that and then trying to get those into the shop for for maintenance, for maintenance yeah you know and some of that stuff is on the fly mm-hmm. when the driver's going out the gate might get a tire repaired or a light i always hear about uh, the harnesses yeah you know for the for the Electrical mm-hmm. is always a problem. Mm-hmm. Missing, lights. <laughs> <laughs> missing lights. Missing yeah.
0: Some of the chassis still have rims from the seventies, which is crazy. I mean, yeah. I don't understand. I mean, I do understand why they do it, but it is it is a big headache. That's why big operators are dr- building their chassis pools, and you have their own, they have their own equipment, right? M- especially, I'm thinking here, JB and Schneider Hub has Hub's doing the same thing. They have their own chassis. Yeah. So that's something that is almost if you're looking for you know a a continuous good service where you don't have to deal because how many you look at like the guy just went home because i don't have lights and you know they're just getting frustrated it 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 delays the service you have to fix it you have to figure it out swap lights some guys some guys do that and then it's like the service is just hurts it's hurt Mm -hmm. by it right um what else the uh, train delays. I think you train
1: delays. Yeah. So if you have a um, you know shipment that's come inbound, we had, you know, some shipments this morning that didn't come off the train. Yeah. You know. So uh, here's a guy ready to go, willing to work, got the hours to do it, and train didn't get it off. You know, the rail didn't get it off the train in time. So now, now what? You know. Yeah. So that's you know that's delayed like that. Um, train delays in general have gotten, you know the time it takes t- the product to get from one place to another has changed mm-hmm. has, has come a long way because yeah. when i was doing this in 1997 it took a long time for a train to get from one coast yeah. to the other you know yeah. um and now there's you know they have fast trains they've you know everything that moves but in particular for the drivers that's that's something that happens
0: okay what do you think is this, uh what could we do what could we do better in as being in the and in in as g- in general the in an in animal industry what do you think can be done better
1: well, i think that it's taken a long time for these for railroads and companies like ours to come together and work together mm-hmm. that's the biggest yeah. thing everybody's you know mine mine yeah. you know <laughs> and i see that well these are our chassis well this is our chassis pool well this mm-hmm. is our you know mm, we don't want to let you use our our train tracks even though we go through the same yards together you know yeah. um so there's an the inefficiency because nobody wants to work together Plus software inefficiencies, right? Well, yeah. Now you talk about, you know, transparency. You know, people are afraid to connect to each other in softwares because they don't want anyone knowing what they're doing. They don't want anybody getting the upper hand, right? Yeah. Um, And then everybody's bigger and better. So you've got, you could even look at driver apps, you know, the in-gate apps. NS uh, has a real nice app. And then UP's coming out with one and C S X has one and yeah. well we'll use ours. If somebody would've just stopped and said, Hey yeah. You know, we, we we have a a uniform agreement, the UIIA. If somebody in that facet would have just said, Hey guys, let's let's look at this. If we're if we can come and get all the drivers together in one spot, why can't we get our software together? Yeah you know we were laughing about it the other day we're mm-hmm. in 2022 yeah we should be flying in cars right now and yeah. nobody can get to connect two railroads together yeah
0: and hopefully hopefully it, i mean we're seeing progress in that and i am yeah. being optimistic as as we're gonna get there and i'm i'm a big proponent of technology and yeah i mean in the frustrated. last five
1: years yeah i've been sh- shouting from the rooftops since i got into the business you yeah know? and uh nobody will do anything
0: yeah uh, but we do see we do see uh, improvements that, like, I don't want to also like I think the the API integration is the biggest headache right. um, and that's obviously a separate podcast too but um, yeah I think we covered pretty much whatever everything we wanted and uh, I think we should do this more often right dig into different topics and maybe provide some additional insight on some of the stuff that we do or uh, in the industry and yeah that was what do you think? Yeah.
1: good? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: I appreciate you. We're going to subscribe, share, and we're going to talk to you soon.